Hi, I'm Kendall. You've joined us on allpeoples.tv or on our YouTube channel, and I wanna thank you for joining us online. This is such an uncertain time, and we're really grateful that you'd spend the time to connect with us today. Today is Good Friday, and it's a time where all over the world, Christians are stopping, and they're starting an amazing weekend. They're starting a weekend that, that begins today on Good Friday, where we reflect on the crucifixion and the death of Jesus. And then as the weekend progresses, of course, we celebrate together on Easter Sunday. As you're joining us for our Good Friday service, I do wanna invite you to our Easter Sunday service as well. And you can find that link on allpeoples.tv. But as we, as we look at Good Friday, you know, it's interesting to think about today. You know, financial markets are actually closed today on Good Friday. Uh, most schools in our country are closed. Most churches aren't able to gather in person. And it's a time of crisis. This is a time of despair. And you might wonder, what makes today good? Why would we call today a Good Friday? And then you think about the historical origins of Good Friday. You think about this name, day was named Good Friday because it's the day we remember that Jesus died. And Jesus did not die a peaceful death. He died a very violent death, a very uh, despicable death, a criminal's death, a death of torture, an unrighteous death, a death he didn't deserve. And you might, you might think about his crucifixion and wonder why in the world would we call this Good Friday? We think about the pain of that experience in the life of Jesus, and you think about the pain we experience today. In some ways today might feel any way but good, but for me, it feels so wonderful to be in this sacred space. And just remember that God has something more for us today. Because it's on Good Friday that we remember that actually through the cross, Jesus stepped into our crisis. And that's what makes Good Friday good. It's this moment where we realize that the cross is actually the answer to the crises we have in our world. So today I wanna to speak to you from the subject, the cross and the crisis. I wanna to speak to you from the subject, the cross and the crisis. And when you think about God's heart for people, it's so important to go back to the beginning. And when we look at the Bible, we see the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. God's heart for people was goodness and blessing. Genesis chapter one, God created the world and then he said it was good. In fact, at the end of creation, he said it was very good. And God's heart was for the world to be a good place without crisis, a, a world full of peace and prosperity. And, and then we look at God's heart for people, man and woman, he created, he named them Adam and Eve. And he shared his heart for them. Actually, we see it in Genesis chapter one, verse 28. It says this, and God blessed them. Right after their creation, the first thing God did was bless them. God's heart for us is goodness and blessing. And that was the environment that God created in the Garden of Eden, an environment of goodness and blessing. But unfortunately, like, like we know, our, our world isn't that way today. And like any epic story, the Garden of Eden, God's creation, a villain is introduced. And that villain is introduced in the form of a serpent. We know that biblically today to be Satan. And Satan tempts Adam and Eve to go against God's plan. God's plan for goodness and blessing. They, they break God's law, they break God's boundaries, and they sin. They break God's heart, and they fall away from relationship with God. What we're gonna see as we look at the results of sin, the results of what might be called the fall, Adam and Eve's fall from 
right standing with God and to standing on their own and their own unrighteousness, we're gonna see three things that happen, three crises. And these crises are actually the same crises we're experiencing today. Because here's what's going on in our world. You might not know this, for every 50,000 cases of the coronavirus, Google searches for prayer are actually doubling. So, so what does that tell us? Not that God caused this crisis, but it tells us that people are perceiving something. They're perceiving that this crisis has a spiritual origin and a spiritual solution. And so, so let's look right now at the spiritual origins of the crisis that we encounter every day in our lives. Genesis chapter three, right after Adam and Eve sinned, this is what it says. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Maybe you've seen this in art or different stories where there was a, a tree that God had set aside and said, don't eat the fruit from this tree. And Adam and Eve ate the fruit from that tree and that was how they sinned. Verse 14, God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Verse 15 of Genesis chapter three, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first crisis actually that we see as the result of sin. And it's a spiritual crisis. What you see is when Adam and Eve sinned, they gave their authority and they gave their ability to rule and bless the earth as God intended over to Satan. And it created an atmosphere of spiritual conflict. We see it right here. There's gonna be enmity or conflict between you and the woman and her and her offspring. And we created this spiritual crisis in the world. The outcome of this first sin is that we will be in a war with evil until our last days. And when you think about the earth and the different kinds of evils that go on in terms of violence and, and trafficking and slavery and, and more subtle evils as well, maybe things that are more common to us in our Western world, things like addiction or rage or slander, all of these things have their origins in this spiritual conflict that is one of the crises that happened as a result of the fall of Adam and Eve. So the first crisis we experience is a spiritual crisis. Let's keep reading verse 16 of Genesis chapter three. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband and he shall rule over you. There's a lot here, but the thing I wanna point out more than anything is now we've introduced a relational crisis. You see, before sin, Adam and Eve perfectly complemented one another and they partnered one another to accomplish God's purposes. After sin entered the picture, there were conflicts. They were contrary to one another. Their desires conflicted. We even see that in their children, Cain and Abel, the first murder that's recorded in Genesis chapter four between their two sons. There's separation between people that happens. And so this relational crisis that we see on the earth has its results in sin. Whether people are dividing on politics, whether they're dividing on class, income status, ethnicity, on gender, all of these divisions that people experience in the world are the result of sin. 
And this is the relational crisis that was introduced to our world as a result of the fall. Let's look at the next crisis now. We see it in Genesis 3, 17. And Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, have eaten the tree of which I commanded you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, from, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Okay, so a lot of symbolism going on here. And obviously this was an agrarian society this was written to. So just to break this down for our modern perspective, this is a crisis of well-being. We have a spiritual crisis, we have a relational crisis, but now we're seeing that actually sin affects our very well-being. In the Garden of Eden, before sin, Adam and Eve had perfect well-being. They were cared for, they were in prosperity, and they were in perfect health. And now, after sin, Adam finds himself at odds with the earth, at odds with trying to provide for himself and his family. And we see this is now going to affect even his health. Genesis chapter three talks about how he's gonna toil, he's gonna sweat and eventually die as a result of these issues. So sin causes crisis in our life. And, and here's what I know about what's going on in the world. With this coronavirus crisis, you might actually be experiencing one or all of these crises. You might be experiencing a spiritual crisis right now really battling with despair or doubt or discouragement, condemnation, or even what we might call some of the bigger sins or some of the bigger temptations. Yes, the coronavirus has brought that to the fullness of our perspective, but it's always been there. It's been there because of sin. You might be experiencing a relational crisis right now. Let's just admit it could be hard to be at home with your family all day if you're not used to it. And especially for some families that there's brokenness or a history of abuse or addiction, that can be a really hard situation. And in times where we're lonely or isolated, our need for relationships and for healthy relationships is so magnified. You might be experiencing a relational crisis. You might be experiencing a crisis of well-being right now. You may have lost your job or had a reduction in income. You might actually have the coronavirus or or perhaps you have other health needs and you're afraid to go to the doctor to get those needs met because you don't want to get the virus at the doctor. I mean, it's just a crazy scenario we're in. I think every one of us is probably affected by one of these crises right now. Spiritual crisis, a relational crisis, or a crisis of well-being. But here's what's good about Good Friday. Here's what's wonderful about the cross. Is Jesus stepped in and showed us that on the cross, he was the solution to each one of these crises. He was the solution to our spiritual needs, our relational needs, and our need for well-being. We're actually gonna see, as we look now and meditate upon Jesus on the cross, how he answered these different needs for our life and for our heart. We're gonna see how he actually, sometimes he would mention it, and other times there's symbolism that points to him meeting the needs of these crises. Let's pick up the story here in Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27, verse 27, we start the crucifixion story, the story of Jesus on the cross. Then, 
the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him. Can you imagine being brought before a whole battalion of soldiers? They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, twisting together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head, put a reed in his right hand, kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit on him. They took the reed and struck him on the head. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Now we move to the crucifixion, verse 32 of Matthew 27. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they'd crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. A sad scene. If you've ever seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, I've, I've met people all over the world that have seen that movie and there's such a feeling of grief and um, of pain when you reflect on what happened to Jesus. You know, back to Genesis for a moment. After Adam and Eve sinned, it's really interesting. It's interesting how God responded. God actually went to the garden in the midst of their crisis and he went looking for them. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter three, verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. That's the first sacrifice. He sacrificed an animal and he clothed them in their nakedness. And we have to remember that it's on the cross that Jesus went as a willing sacrifice for our needs, for our crisis, and for our sin. It's a sobering story, but here in this first part of the crucifixion, what we see is Jesus meets the needs for our crisis of well-being. We see it all right here in the passage. Prophetically, we see that Jesus was given a crown of thorns. Remember the thorns in Genesis chapter 3? The, the thorns that Adam was going to have to deal with as he was trying to get fruit out of the ground? Well, Jesus let the pain of the thorns come upon him for our well-being, for our needs. Jesus was a carpenter. That was his trade. Ironically, he dies on wood with nails. He's showing us something, that, that the curse that's on our work, the curse that's on our provision, the crisis that we feel in this area of well-being has been put upon him. The prophet Isaiah said this about Jesus in Isaiah 53, that by his stripes we were healed. When you think about that reed, when you think about how Jesus was whipped and tortured and the blood that was shed, that blood that was shed is the most powerful cleansing agent in the entire universe. And there's something about it where, where our very healing, our very need for physical well-being is found in his blood. We see it again in this passage. You might remember I just read where they offered Jesus some, some wine mixed with vinegar and he chose not to taste it. Well, he tasted it and he chose not to take more. And that was actually offered to alleviate the pain. That was offered as kind of an anesthetic for medicinal purposes. And he rejected that even, letting the full physical punishment fall upon him so our physical well-being could be met in him. There's another story in the Old Testament in the time of Moses where Moses would lift up a sculpture onto a, onto a pole, onto a wooden pole, and people would look to it for healing. Well, we look to Jesus on the cross for our healing 
and our physical needs today. The cross is the answer for your crisis and my crisis of well-being. Even in some of Jesus' last words, he actually used a financial term. He said, paid in full. And it's our financial needs, our physical needs, those things are met in the cross of Christ. We know that when our well-being suffers in times like this, that Jesus has and suffers with us. And we also know that Jesus is our supply in that suffering. The crisis of well-being was met on the cross. What about the relational crisis, this enmity between Adam and Eve and the conflict that entered into their world and is so prevalent in our world today, politically and otherwise, even in our nation, we see actually that the cross is also the answer for our relational crisis. Luke chapter 23, verse 33 says this about the crucifixion. When they came to the place called the skull, this place called Golgotha, it must have looked like a skull, they crucified him there along with the other criminals, one on his right, one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. You know, Jesus forgave the people that unrighteously killed him. He resolved the relational crisis of our world once and for all. There was a power differential between Jesus. He was an oppressed Jew that had been taken over by Roman oppression in Jerusalem. There was an ethnic differential. Jesus was a Jew. These were Gentiles. There were so many reasons that Jesus did not have to forgive or maybe shouldn't have from a worldly perspective, but he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I love what Pope Francis says about the cross. This is what he says. The cross of Christ reveals the power of God to bridge every division, to heal every wound, and to reestablish the original bonds of brotherly love. Isn't that beautiful? One of the things we have to understand is Jesus was not a victim when he went to the cross. He actually went to the cross willingly and he forgave willingly in order to resolve the relational crisis, the mistreatment that, that we feel in our world today. It was heaped upon him and we can find forgiveness for others through him as we look to the cross. The cross has the power to heal and bridge those gaps. So we've seen how the cross is the answer to our crisis of well-being. We've seen how through the cross, Jesus stepped in to resolve the relational crises we feel in today's world. And now we're going to see how the cross is the answer to the spiritual crisis that we all experience every day. Maybe Maybe you've had a time in your life where you experienced a spiritual crisis, where you felt far, far from God. Maybe you feel that way right now. Maybe you've never felt close to God. You know, this is a time in history where many people are acutely aware of their spiritual need. If, if you aren't a believer in Jesus, maybe you've become very aware of what can happen when you die. And that's created a spiritual crisis in your life of wondering how to reconcile your life today with eternity. Maybe if you are a believer in, in Jesus, you're dealing with feelings of isolation and condemnation. And some might even say this time with the coronavirus for many has been like a dark night of the soul where they felt isolated, they felt confused, they felt disoriented. This is a time of spiritual crisis 
for many people. But it's amazing how Jesus stepped in to answer the spiritual crisis that, that actually happened as we talked about in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, that's when death and separation from God entered the picture when Adam and Eve sinned. That's when Adam and Eve were cast out of God's presence, out of the garden of Eden. And, and what we saw in Genesis chapter 3 was God slayed that lamb and covered them as a perfect sacrifice to answer the needs of their crisis. And we're going to see how Jesus is the answer to our spiritual crisis today. We're going to look at some of the last words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 27. This is what Jesus said. He cried out about the ninth hour from the cross. And this is what he prayed. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, it's a little bit mind-blowing, to be honest. Jesus, who the Bible says, was there in the beginning. He, he, he was part of the triune nature of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in this moment, the condemnation, the isolation, the despair, the depression, the spiritual crisis that we can feel, he let that fully come upon him to the point where he cried out, God, you have forsaken me. Listen, Jesus has been there. The cross is the answer to our spiritual crisis. And I find it fascinating what Jesus did next. You know, he showed that that he was willing to go through the abandonment of a spiritual crisis. He showed that he was willing to, to demonstrate the forgiveness required of a relational crisis. And also he was the answer to our crisis of well-being. And, and at the very end of his life, his very last breath, as he died on the cross, he said something very significant. These were very deliberate last words. And we're gonna meditate on these last words of Jesus as we close our time today on Good Friday. This is what Jesus said. He, he looked up to heaven and he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, that's very significant for a few reasons. First of all, Jesus always taught us to pray to God as a father. And then he said, into your hands I commit. What he was indicating was that he was making a decision. Jesus didn't die as a victim on the cross. He made a choice to sacrifice himself for you and for me. So the cross could be the answer to our crisis. And then he said, into your hands, I commit my spirit. This was a prayer of total surrender. And that's how I'd like to close our time today. I'd like to close by praying that prayer of surrender. Maybe you find yourselves in one of these crises today. And you just need to turn to God as your Father, as your Heavenly Father. Say, God, I'm in the midst of this crisis, but into your hands I give you my spirit. I recognize that you have the answer for what I need. Maybe actually you don't feel like you really have a relationship with God. God feels distant or far away or you've been seeking out for God but, but haven't really had that resolution that you knew him and he knew you personally. This, this can be your moment. You can just pray that simple prayer that Jesus demonstrated for us on the cross, making a decision to follow Jesus. You can say, Father God, you can just pray this right after me. 
can say, Father God, into your hands, I give you my life. I believe you died on the cross for my every crisis. That you've forgiven my sin. And that in Jesus is eternal life. Amen. You know, the journey of walking with God is, is a long one. It's really more of a marathon. But it starts with that first step. It starts with making a decision to give your heart over to Jesus. As we meditate on this prayer, on, on the way that the cross entered into our world to resolve our crisis, um, we're gonna have just a time of contemplative worship by violin, and as we do this now and meditate on some different worship music, reflecting on who Jesus is for us on the cross, I just wanna encourage you to pray that prayer. Give your heart to God in a new way, into his hands. Give your spirit.